Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, as we continue in our series, Exiled, a study on the book of 1 Peter, we are joined by our family life pastor, the Reverend Jamie Kendrew. In addition to continuing our series on 1 Peter, we also celebrated the amazing week of ministry that was our summer day camp. Now, here is Pastor Jamie with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Every time the kids are up here and I have the privilege of going down on a Sunday and seeing what's taking place in our kids' ministry, I'm constantly reminded of something some really wise person named Jesus once said. He said, unless we become like these, we will not see the kingdom of heaven. Like, think about that. The joy. When was the last time you in a worship service jumped up and down, pumped your fist, spun around to the point where kids' ministry came upstairs and said, hey, can you guys pipe down up there? (laughs) What happens to us? Why do we become stale? Why do we become, like Bilbo Baggins says, a, a a little bit of butter over too much toast? Why do we become that way in our faith? God said in His Word that we're supposed to be like the little kids. So I'm half tempted to make us all stand up and start singing something and dancing around here. But we're not going to do that. I should, shouldn't I? (laughs) But all that to say, let joy overflow. Because as believers, we on our worst day, and trust me, I know some of the bad days that we have in here. On our worst day, we do not have a reason to power. Because we know at the end of the book, God wins, and we know that by joining with Him, by calling Him our Lord and Savior, we win too. Amen? Amen? Not because of what we did, but because of what He did. And for that reason, we should jump around, we should smile, we should be known as people who have joy. So God, we love you and we thank you. We praise you for summer day camp. We praise you for the way that we got to see our our student ministries, our middle school and our high schoolers lead. I was so blessed to hear the gospel message being poured into a six-year-old by someone in seventh grade. Thank you for the way our kids lead us in their exuberance and their joy. Thank you for the way that they lead us in their lack of fear in sharing the gospel message, God. Because all of us up here know, Lord, in this life, we're going to experience hardship. We're going to experience persecution for our faith. But remind us of that childlike joy that we're supposed to have when we think about you. God, we've allowed the world to come in and to make us heavy and to weigh us down. But your word tells us that we should not fear men, that we need to be strong and courageous, and that we need to trust you. And so this morning, Lord, as we dive into this passage in First Peter, we pray, God, that you would help us to be strong and to be courageous. That you would help us to rejoice, because the suffering that we experience here on this place, Lord, is exiles, as foreigners, It pales in comparison to the future glory that you're going to trade it for for us, God. And so speak to our hearts this morning. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we've been in a series, if you're visiting with us today, we've been in a series called Exiled. And we've been talking about what it looks like for us as Christians who are spiritual beings having a bodily experience. We don't belong here on this earth. 
We belong with God. We belong in heaven. And so if you're visiting with you, I'm, uh, so I'm just going to bring you up to speed. So we've been talking about uh, the Apostle Peter and this letter that he wrote to the churches in Asia Minor. There's five major churches there that he wrote this letter to. And he wrote it as a form of encouragement because he knows that the church there is going to go through all kinds of turmoil. They're going to go through all kinds of things. And he encourages them in this letter to be strong. He encourages them to be who they say they are. And he encourages them in two kind of ways. He says, listen, don't be discouraged when you go through the sufferings that your sinful nature has caused. But then he goes a step further this morning and says, don't be discouraged by the the persecution that's about to come down. In fact, his words are the fire that you're about to experience. Now, a lot of times in Scripture, when they use an illustration like fire, it's, it's often a metaphor for something else. But literally, Peter is, is describing what's about to happen. Because you see, in this time, there's an evil leader by the name of Nero. And Nero has figured out that this thing called Christianity, actually they called it the way, Christianity was a derogatory term used for people who were following Jesus. Did you know that? Isn't it crazy that over the centuries we've just embraced that term of a term of endearment? That Christian, the little Christ, started out as a, as a mean thing to be said about someone. At one point in our heritage, believers in Jesus went, oh, He called me a Christian. But today, that's what we strive for. Because that means the evidence there. So the Romans figured out that these followers of the way, these little Christs, these Christians, were not just another little section of Judaism, but they were, they were their own thing. And so Nero's had enough of the Jews, and he certainly doesn't want this uprising of Christians to come into play. And so Nero begins to persecute on a level that has not been seen yet. We were talking in our prayer time earlier about how Christians would be be executed and tortured in the Circus Maximus. A lot of people will say that happened in the Colosseum, but actually most of that happened in the bigger arena, the Circus Maximus. There would be fires in Rome that Nero would blame on the Christians. Nero would throw house parties, and, and for the sake of little ears, Christians would light the house party because Nero would put them to the refiner's fire, so to speak. And they were tortured and murdered and killed. And so in this moment, Peter writes to the church. He says, hey, listen, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the suffering of Christ. And so he starts off with this little part in in, in 1 Peter here. We're in chapter 4, verse 12. He starts out with this little statement, and you have to remember last week when Pastor Jared spoke to us, if you weren't here, he spoke to us about how God has blessed each and every one of us with gifts and talents. It was awesome last week during summer day camp to watch all of our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, and our adults come out and they use the gifts that God had given them, whether it was the gift of song and dance, whether it was the gift of making crafts, whether it was the gift of being a pirate on a barge in the middle of our lake, whatever that gift was, People came out last week and they used their gifts and talents in their various forms and they blessed others with it. And Pastor Jared said last week from Peter that we're to do that no matter what. We're to use the gifts and talents that God has blessed us with. And when we speak, we speak as Christians. We speak as if we're the ones speaking the very words of God. 
We're speaking on behalf of God. So remember, Peter just encouraged the church, listen, you are the representative of God. You're ambassadors. You're speaking the very words of God. Now, something we have to remember, that when Adam and Eve existed, happened and took place, Satan and God had it out, and God declared war on Satan. Did you know that? That God declared war on Satan. And so ever since that moment in history, Satan has made it his personal agenda to attack and, and destroy the people of God. So whenever we're being who we say we are, whenever we're living as lights for Christ, it should not surprise us that we encounter hardship. Because listen, Satan's a jerk, but he's not an idiot. He's a military mind. And if there is a threat looming on what your agenda is, you're going to attack that threat. And as backward as it sounds, Satan is going to attack the people of God because they are a threat to his cause. And so as believers, the more and more we suffer for the sake of Jesus' name, you should take it as a compliment, as if God's saying, hey, hang on there, I got you. And the enemy's saying, you're important enough to me as a threat that I'm going to attack you. There's a family in our church right now that's experiencing persecution from their local government. And it's hard on this family. And they're praying through it. But to them, I say this. Keep going. You're doing something right. Because in this world, when we face persecution and when we face hardship, this is what Peter's saying. He's saying God's in heaven smiling because you're on the front line battling the enemy. And so when hardship comes your way, and I'm not talking about sickness, I'm not talking about stuff like that, I'm not talking about self-inflicted wounds. See, Peter addressed that earlier, and I preached about that a couple of weeks ago. What we're talking about today is persecution from where you work, persecution from where you live, from the government. And for the first time in these churches at Asia Minor, Peter's reminding them, hey, you're not only going to experience personal persecution, but you are going to experience persecution from authority above you. And listen to me, church. That's coming down the line for all of us. At some point, you will be persecuted for your faith. Do you have the foundation to stand on what you believe? Because if you do, that suffering, that suffering will only create perseverance in you. So Peter goes on and he says this. He says, But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. For the Spirit of the glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should be as a murderer. It should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal. He's saying, look, don't self-inflict yourself. Don't sin and go out and suffer for those things. Suffer for me. If you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear the name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will, it, uh, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey, obey the gospel of God? He says, and if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So in this moment, Peter's writing to the church and he's really giving them four instructions. He's reminding them that first, they should expect suffering. We just talked about that. 
We should expect suffering. You see, in John uh, 15, Jesus has this great moment with his disciples. And I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to listen. In John uh, 15, he says in verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and to bear fruit. Now, the word go there, the way it's used in its original language, it's not a singular version of the word go. It means you're to go together. And as believers, we're to go together, locked arm, hand in hand, working with one another. And Jesus says you're to go and to bear fruit, the fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. You know, we should expect suffering, but we should never expect suffering from the hands of another believer. And as Christians, we need to reconcile the brokenness that we have against or with other believers. Because we have an enemy out there in Satan and in the world that is big enough. We don't need to have enemies within the church. We need to love each other. It doesn't say you've got to get along with everybody. It doesn't say you need to be everybody's best friend. But we need to love each other. Jesus goes on and he says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember, the world I spoke to you, no servant is greater than his master. And if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you also. If they obey my, if you, excuse me, if they obey my teaching, they will obey you also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. If I had to come, if I had not come and spoke to them, they would not be guilty of sin. They would, yeah. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done, uh, if I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen this, these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in the law. They hated me without reason. And so when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So Jesus Christ says in this moment, he agrees with Peter. He says, listen, you're going to experience suffering. So don't be surprised. Did you hear me? If you accepted Jesus and someone told you it was going to be all roses and smell great, I'm sorry. Read the Bible. It didn't happen that way. You're foreigners in this place. You're exiles in a land that's dominated by the enemy. This is his domain, not ours. We're infiltrating this place and we're taking as many people back with us. Amen? Amen. Expect suffering. Because when we expect suffering, we join in with Jesus. What's amazing about this little passage of Scripture here in uh, 1 Peter is within like two sentences, Peter mentions the word joy in some form or another four times. He says, expect suffering, but also we should rejoice in suffering. Listen to this. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed, that's two, when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. That's three. 
For the spirit and the glory of God rest on you, and if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer, thief, or of any kind of criminal, or even a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God. Four times, like that. Do you think he's trying to tell us something? When you suffer for the name of God, do not be ashamed. Wear it as a merit badge. Don't be boastful. Don't be prideful about it. But be excited about the fact that you're a big enough threat to Satan that he's coming after you. We're told by Jesus. We're told by Peter to expect suffering. We're told by Jesus. We're told by Peter to rejoice in our suffering. Listen. God's not simply going to have us suffer for no reason. Remember what the Word of God says. It says that He's going to take that suffering that we're going through and He's going to transform it into glory. Nowhere does the Bible say He's going to take away the suffering. It says that He's going to transform the suffering. All that you're going through on this earth for persecution in the name of Jesus, all that you go through right now is going to pale in comparison to the awesomeness of heaven. Have you ever stopped to think about the glory of being with God forever? Of having the creator of all things rejoicing in the fact that you're by his side? When we suffer, we should rejoice. When we suffer, we should be reminded of the fact that one day that will be transformed into glory for God. When we suffer, we should be reminded, as it says in verse 14, that the Holy Spirit, God Himself, is going to be with us. When we suffer, we're not in it alone. God is with us. He's around us. We have this image of a little Jesus inside of our heart. That's not how it works, folks. How it works is you are inside of the Holy Spirit. He's going to enable you and equip you to do amazing things. He's going to give you the spine and the backbone to stand up, to do what's right, to withstand whether the government, whether it's family, whoever it may be, any type of persecution that comes your way. It's not always going to be fun. But we need to find joy because God will transform our suffering into glory for himself. He will fill us with the Holy Spirit. And when we go through suffering, we know that we're doing something right for the Lord. Now the last or the third thing that I want to point out is that Peter makes it a a great point here when he says, "Listen, you're going to experience suffering. And unfortunately, you may experience suffering from other believers. We shouldn't do that to one another." Jesus said, "Love one another." But we have to ask an honest question. There's a lot of us that like to walk around in this life and we like to talk about the suffering that we're going through when the real question we should be asking is, am I actually suffering for the name of Jesus or am I suffering because of self-inflicted wounds? He takes us back there. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this in great detail. And we actually talked about sickness and things like that. But right now, I want to talk about this. If you sin and there's a consequence to your sin... That has nothing to do with God. If you're doing something here on this earth that has earthly ramifications, we love to blame God. Oh God, why did you do this to us? God did not do that to us. You did. You did it to yourself. You are your own worst enemy. Can I get an amen from anybody? We've done it, haven't we? And we love to give God credit for things that he doesn't need to own. Now, what the Bible tells us, that when we're a victim of our own circumstances, God will provide a way for us to be made righteous. God will provide a way for us to be made clean. But let's ask an honest question this morning. 
Are you suffering for God? Or are you suffering at your own hands? And I want to ask you, what are the sins in your life right now that you're hiding? What are the sins right now that you're engaged in that you talk about how much you're suffering for God, but when we really get honest with ourselves, we're not suffering for God. We're suffering because of our sin. So I want you to think about that. I literally want you to stop. Bow your head. And I want you to ask God to convict you of what it is that you're suffering because of your own hand. And as you're doing that, Peter reminds us and basically asks us the question. In our sinfulness, are we ashamed of Christ? Or will we stand courageously for Him? Do we glorify Christ? And I want you to think about who's asking that or saying that. Peter, you will be the rock upon which I build this church. But yet when Peter had the chance to stand up for what he believed before that rooster did its thing, he denied Christ three times. Do you think when he speaks this message to the churches, when he speaks this message to us, do you think he knows what he's talking about? He denied Christ to his face. He was a victim of his own actions. Are you denying Christ by your actions? Or are you bringing Him glory? You're going to suffer enough because of the enemy. Don't suffer because of your own hand. You know, if we are taking this fourth thing that He commends us to, and we are examining our, this third thing, and we examine our own life, we ask ourselves the question, are we suffering for God? Are we suffering because of our consequences? Am I ashamed of God or do I bring Him glory? Am I seeking to serve those who don't know Jesus? Let me ask you that. If we're talking about being engaged, what Peter's encouraging them here, he's like, listen, you're not just going to suffer for no reason. When you suffer, you suffer in the name of the Lord. But when you do that, you're doing that because there are people out there who are dying. We're not dying. We're living. And when we live for God, we're living for something. But if you do not have Jesus Christ in your life, Peter's saying, listen, you're dying. And when we live as believers, our job is to live to bring glory to God. But how we bring glory to God came from the lips of Jesus. He said, love one another. And so the question I have for you this morning as we examine our life, are we bringing glory to God by sharing the gospel message? Or do we remain silent because we're embarrassed? These kids stood up here in front of you, screaming, jumping, pumping their fists because they're excited to tell you, I believe in Jesus. What happens to us? Does sin so infiltrate our heart that we're feeling unworthy? Do we feel disgusting? Because listen to me, the same Jesus that rose from the dead, that power exists in you and it covers your sins. It conquers death. 
And so when you proclaim the name Christian, it's not a derogatory meaning. It's a beautiful meaning because we want to be little Christ. And if we want to be little Christ, we want to join in his suffering. We want to share in the burden. And we need to promote the gospel message of Jesus. Is there fruit in your life that people are experiencing Jesus when they experience you? I feel like I'm condemning everybody right now. Please know I'm pointing the finger here too. Are we seeking the lost? Are we more into our religion than we are about sharing the relationship with Jesus? Because the Jews were religious. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they did religion real, real good. And I'm going to tell you right now, my opinion of you does not matter to God. And so if you're putting on a good face for the pastors of this church, it don't mean a thing. What matters is who you are to God. What matters is who you are to God. So the fourth thing Peter says is, listen, commit yourself to God. Commit yourself to God. And there's two groups of people I want to talk to this morning. To the Christians this morning, I say, come on, let's buck up. Let's be happy. We should be the the, the nut jobs running around skipping and dancing because we know we win. Smile. Let's start there. Smile. When you encounter people, they go, ooh, and step over here. You know, I, I have an old friend. His name's Ryan Paskey. He was a pastor in New Brighton. And my, my the computer broke, and I was mad. And I walk into the Apple store, and I'm mad. And I don't want to talk to anybody, and I'm mad. And I have my own agenda, and I'm mad. And then I hear this nut job over in the corner sitting at the table. Everybody's laughing. Everybody's having a good time. And he's got the Mac salesman all coming over and talking to him. And it's my friend Ryan Paskey. He's over there, hooping and hollering, smiling, laughing. And if anybody in here knows this guy, you experience Jesus when you experience this guy. And I looked at my computer, and I looked at all the smiling faces over there, and I went, oh, man. (laughs) And so I went over and hung out with him for a few minutes and got in a better mood. As believers, we don't need to be grumpy that our computer's working. We need to be grumpy at the fact that we're too grumpy. We need to get excited. We need to spend time at the table with Jesus, whether we're grumpy or not. And we need to smile because people need to see Jesus. I listened to that guy share Jesus with like 90,000 people at the Apple store. It was amazing. What are we so afraid of? If believers, we're committed to God, then we need to be who we say we are. It's that simple. Commit to being who you say you are. Come hell itself or the high waters. We will charge hell with a squirt gun. We are the people of God. We should not fear man. We should not fear demons. Because there is no greater name than Jesus. And if that name exists in you, you're unstoppable. You're more than a conqueror, the Bible says. So, buck up. All right? Everybody got it? Christians, man up. Non-believers, listen to me. You're sitting in here this morning going, this guy's insane. (laughs) Non-believers, Peter's talking about you as well. Because there's a hard truth out there that if you die without confessing Christ as your Lord, you will truly die forever. You will be separated from God. And I want you to know that's not with a light heart that God says that. It breaks His heart because evil and goodness cannot exist in the same space. And when we have evil in our heart, it separates us from God. In fact, evil is a parasite of good. 
And so if you're sitting here this morning and you feel empty or you just have questions and you just you don't feel complete, you're not complete. You're not whole. God created you for something more than to just live on this earth and die. He created you to live. When you live on this earth as a slave to sin and a slave to fear, you're not really living. You're dying just slowly. And this morning, Peter's commending you to commit to God. He's saying, put your faith in Jesus. Listen, it's not going to be all smell good and roses, but it's going to make life doable. It's going to make life good. And maybe you feel lost. Maybe you feel alone. Maybe you don't have answers and you've looked in every other capacity in life. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. With you on his mind, he opened his arms and he died on the cross because you owe for your sins. That's how it is. I didn't make the rules, it's just how it is. But Jesus so loved you, God so loved you, that he came down and took that penalty for you. And all you have to do is say, okay, forgive me, Lord, I'm a sinner. You have to mean it. And I want to commit my life to you. And when you do that, we exist to help you figure out what that means. Because listen, and Christians, amen this, it's a journey. It's not all easy. It's not always safe. But it's good. Why? Because God is good. And that's why we say that here. We say God is good and all the time May the peace of the Lord be with you, we say, because God's goodness brings peace. Don't go another sleepless night. Give yourself to Jesus. Repent of your sins, and we'll help you figure out what that means. Amen, church? Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for this message that Peter brings, that in our life we will experience suffering. So God, we pray that you would help us to expect that suffering. Help us to rejoice in that suffering, God. But help us, Lord, to commit our lives to you and to daily examine ourselves, God, because we recognize that we are sinful, broken creatures, and apart from you, we can do nothing. And so one way or another, whether in our own sinful actions or whether in your name, we're going to suffer on this earth. But when we suffer for us, we simply die. But when we suffer for you, you transform death into life And you transform pain into glory. So help us, Lord, to bring you glory with our actions. And may we commit to smiling and having that joy that you so call us to have. And all of God's people said, Amen.